Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. Get your asses inside. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, well, you know, I've been got a case of the tired going on for the last month or so, but I'm powering through. I fucking hate that. Yeah. All right. So we got a low energy show today, huh? (laughs) Oh, You covered it up pretty well with that intro. Oh, yeah. And then I immediately let everybody know. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Brutal honesty. Come on in the shop with us today, folks. Sit back, relax, hedge against that rage machine. We'd like to welcome any new listeners just joining us. We're here smashing our way through a complete set of fine china, sharing those ever-growing strategies for maximizing gains and cutting losses. If you are new to the shop and stock trading in general, can always check out our knowledge center or resource center on financialineptitude.com. Or you can give one of our beginning trading episodes a listen. We'll have all those links in the episode description for you. But the best place to be is check out our Discord server. Uh, Kyle and I get on there every day. It's just a really awesome, free place to be. Uh, There aren't any paid tiers or special access areas because we don't think people should pay for what we don't pay for. Uh, And when you do join that server, uh, we're the only show I know of that does this. You send us a private message with your email or mailing address and we'll send you some smash it yourself swag straight from the shop. We're just glad everybody's here. We have a lot of fun. It's always better with friends. Always better. Always better. Right. Any any, any uh, show news going on today, Kyle? Well, let's see. We just finished recording with uh, Anthony Vecino. 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 Sorry, Anthony Vecino. A uh, real estate expert uh, working out of Minneapolis. Uh, it was a really interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. That was a good time. Uh, next week, we've got Anthony Fatsies, host of What the Finance. Uh, then Order Flow Labs, Leo and Flary are back after that. And then Derek Oldensmith. Uh, he's a educator and a trader. Derek is a day trader, swing trader, portfolio manager, and then he also develops and mentors entry-level traders. So that should be another really good conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds good to me. We also have a couple new songs to debut today, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Big shout out to Reosaurus. Yes. New crypto song she submitted. If anybody else wants to uh, take a crack at those, uh, you're welcome to send your submissions to our email. Yeah. Two bulls at financialineptitude.com. That's the number two. That's right. And don't think for a second we don't want to hear your your musical talents. We definitely do. <laughs> Anything that makes less work. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. Shit. Shit. Get some oh, of the bag. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, folks, strap in. We've got a gangly, g- garish, awkward, gargantuan <laughs> episode today. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you should have said gangly, gawky, garish. There you go. <laughs> Plenty sure. of stocks on the radar, market moving news, and more options than TikTok has cranky victim videos. No, <laughs> too, too controversial. Is that a new thing? I don't know. Wait, what is cranky what? Cranky victim videos? Is that a... Is that a thing? Okay, so what just happened to me is this person did this thing and I just can't deal. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, that's why I stay off TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Reach out to us, folks. We do love your messages and comments on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Discord. If you're old school, you can send us an email to, as Kyle said, two bulls at financialneptitude.com. That's the number two. Or you can even set, give us a phone call, 725-22-BULLS. Maybe you got a hot stock tip. Maybe you want to tell us about a great trade you just made. Or maybe you and your brothers have just mutated into giants. And using your ninja training, you set out to rid the city of the fearsome ninja gang. It doesn't matter. We just love it when you reach out. The foot clan. Oh, the foot. <laughs> <laughs> you had me you had me second guessing myself there. <laughs> it's like, wait, they didn't turn into giants. They 
<laughs> no, they did. They did. I guess they did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Compared to other turtles, yes. <laughs> yeah, the fifth brother that didn't touch the ewes was like, oh, shit, you're so fucking huge. And then they stepped on him. Done. <laughs> Only four brothers. Uh, keep stalling, Dad. Maybe we don't have to talk about the bet. <laughs> That's stupid bet. Why do I make such poor decisions, Kyle? I know I lost money. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and go. I, I took uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. I thought I should just short the shit out of it. And it was looking really good on Monday. Uh, it opened at 1972 and it was making its March shorts fill in that gap. And then it decided to change its mind and went back up and closed at 2210, which is just about where my second entry point was. So that takes my total down from 476.10 to 459.59. Oof. I will not be winning this month, I don't think. Well, I don't think it's going to be me either. I, like an idiot, all I had to do was go long the stock at all time <laughs> highs. But no, I got to... <laughs> try and be cute and <laughs> jump on top of a rising grenade. I shorted Zim half at the open, <laughs> half at 81. It uh, opened at $80.06, very quickly got to 81. Mm -hmm. And then hit my stop Monday, Tuesday, my stop of 83. Yeah, you were out pretty fast. It ended the week, by the way, at like 90. Did it end at 90? It got as high as 90. Why didn't you flip long? <laughs> yeah, right? Where was my flip long? <laughs> oh, man. It ended, the, it ended the week at 84.50, but it got as high as 91.23. It was a little early on when it would be pulling back. Would have been a good one if you went long. Would have been great if I'd gone long. Yeah, $80. <laughs> anyway, brings my bet total down to $485.01. And, and Random had VST, which opened at $22.37. Looked like it might uh, do some good, but it actually pretty much closed flat. I think it went up $0.04 cents at the close. So Random made a dollar. So now it's sitting at five seventy four fifty five, firmly in the lead. Yeah, Random's over there like, I gave you guys a shot. Is there any point in teasing the uh, the bet picks at the end because I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion for this month. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could have a, a nice meme. Yeah, this, this is we're gonna have to swing for the fences. Uh, yeah, you know, I do a lot a lot of that by myself doing a lot of that. All right, Kyle, let's uh, move on and talk about the news. Yes, please. Dow drops deep on moving inflation, COVID frustration, war damnation. We're just bringing you the fucking news. You gotta recognize the game if you don't wanna lose. We're just skipping to bulls trading information. Rioters raiding, insider trading, taxes are raising, bills on the hill. We got a crypto mill, no, they ain't growing weed. When the Fed speaks today, it's some shit we don't need. Sing it, Dan. Two bulls trading information. What? Two bulls trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Two bulls trading information. That is accurate. Very accurate. What information? True. What? Oh, where do we start? Dude, I got a whole shitload of stories here. So much stuff has been happening. So much, so many things. Uh, I suppose we should start with the uh, the Fed meeting. I think that's the biggest, the biggest news, right? Yeah, yeah. If you weren't paying attention, the Fed had their meeting on Wednesday where they were going to actually raise rates for the first time in God since what 2018. It's been a while. Trump bitch slapped Powell and <laughs> told him to knock that shit off. Twit slapped. <laughs> Twit slapped. Twit slapped. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people are not, sorry, two of the officials are making a case for a half point rate hikes, but they ended up settling with 25 basis points. Um, Bullard was the one dissenter in the meeting. He was the one pushing for the half point increase. Uh, he believes that the benchmark index rate should top 3% by the end of the year versus the 2% that's currently expected. Uh, he said the combination of strong real economic performance and unexpectedly high inflation means that the committee's policy rate is currently far too low to prudently manage the U.S. macroeconomic situation. The committee will have to move quickly to address this situation or risk losing credibility on its inflation target. How much credibility do they still have when it comes to inflation after spending a year calling it transitory? Yes. And Fed Governor Christopher Waller recently now call, has called it raging. So yeah, <laughs> transitory to raging and, and raging transitory inflation. <laughs> uh, Waller also voted for the uh, quarter point, but he had been lobbying for the half point bump prior to the meeting. Uh, yeah. But he decided to change his mind based on the Ukraine situation that's still ongoing. What's happening in Ukraine? Uh, apparently, there's still a war. Oh, yeah. War were declared. Hmm. I, I have a hard time <laughs> seeing, like, like, just because there's a war going on and they, 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 we've got all this stuff going on, they're, they're, 
they're they're gun shy again. But I really feel like it's just more of the same, like calling it transitory. We're not going to do anything. Now they're calling it raging, but they're like, oh, but the war in Ukraine, so we're not going to really do as much as, as we could. Like, I don't want higher interest rates, but. Well, this feels like more kicking the can down the road, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah it's more kick the can down the road. It's like if, if they know interest rates have to be higher for stuff to balance out, then like, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's get it done. Part of the other thing they mentioned in that meeting was that the, I think the next meeting the plan was to start reducing the balance sheet and that's uh that's even more bearish start pulling liquidity out of the market right whereas we had just been tapering up to this point where they were still injecting liquidity in the market but now now that looks like it's going to change and the reaction to this whole thing was kind of mind-boggling i think everyone was expecting it to, to drop like a rock and it kind of started to before catching a bid and just really taking off and in the week on a really high note oh yeah i don't know dan do you believe in this rally I I don't believe in any rally till it's happening. I I if I'm looking at the the, the spy chart, it's got to get over four forty eight to to start convincing me that we're back to being bullish. I mean, at this point, it's already broken out of its bear trend, so yeah, it's at least looking bullish. But I, I'm still not a hundred percent convinced either. I'd like to at least see it above the two hundred day EMA. We could be there. We're we're still we're still in this weird zone. Like uh, my friend Susan asks me all the time, like, "How's stock market doing? How, how's how's the S and P doing?" And I feel like for the last two months, I've always been like, "Well, it's making up its mind. We could be going solid bear." Could be going back to bull just over and over again. I say the same thing. And well, what point? I mean, we topped out what, January fourth before this latest move down. I mean, that's a good solid three months of just steadily dropping. Yeah, but it could have just been a pullback, right? Yeah, on the on the longer on, on the longer scale trend, like the weekly candles. If I was an Elliott wave person, I'd probably be drawing A B C D E. This is. This is the ABC retrace. Right. Anyway, let's move on. What else we got? We're not supposed to talk about charts yet. Uh, have you heard what's been going on with the uh, with nickel, the metal? I saw that it uh, looked like there was some kind of squeeze going on earlier in the week. Yes. The, uh, the London Metal Ex- Exchange had a, an embarrassing week-long suspension of nickel, nickel trading. There's a, there's a real big li- lack of liquidity in not just nickel, but in commodities in general. Hmm. Crude oil, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon, uh, gas, wheat, metals. It's just uh, the prices have become erratic as as all of the, the financial strains of the world play out. Ru- Russian invasion constraining commodity flows. Uh, many cases, rallies were quick, quickly followed by a drop in prices based on those fears. Just nickel is kind of a weird one, though, isn't it? I mean, like I understand wheat and oil because the sanctions on Russia are affecting oil outputs. The uh, war with Ukraine is affecting the wheat output, but uh, nickel, nickel seems like a weird one. I don't know why nickel prices more than doubled in a matter of hours on, on March eighth. In <laughs> fact, nickel itself has become so valuable. A nickel is worth ten to twelve and a half cents, like an actual coin. Uh, not American nickels, unless you find the older ones. Uh, I think the Canadian nickels, though, are made with actual nickel. Yeah, the, the yeah. If you've got an actual nickel, nickel, that's yeah, weird. Why do we keep calling it a nickel if it's not made of nickel anymore? Call it a f- fiver, fivey. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's it's uh, yeah. So they're having a really big liquidity problem, n- not just in nickel. It's it's getting harder to secure quotes from dealers making any trades. If you are trying to trade, got a whole bunch of pissed oh, really? off people on the London Medicals, Metal Metals Exchange because they were bullish on nickel, and, and it's so bad. Like the price of nickel might be sky high, but the the time anybody can find a buyer, they can't actually sell it. The time they can actually sell it, mm-hmm. like the price has fluctuated back down. Wild shit, according to Bloomberg. Oh, that would piss that, me off so much. You yeah. win the lottery, and <laughs> like, then uh, all the gas stations close. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> then, meanwhile, more people are winning the same lottery. <laughs> it's it's like basically like uh, like when you talk about like oh, I don't like trading the stock stock because the volume is so low. Right. Yeah. With all the the weird shutdowns all over the world, it, causing a liquidity crisis means like. You can't buyers can't find sellers and and that, that's a huge huge problem mm-hmm. um only they, only they might be able to find like a low ball Duh. order yeah mm-hmm. uh and it's yeah that would piss you off 
definitely affected oil as well. Well, speaking of oil, oil is actually down 4% on the week. Uh, so we all know that the the main driver for this is the, the Russian output, right? Yeah. Which I think we've talked about this before. Uh, Russia's main export being oil and oil products. And, and with all the sanctions now that there's, oh God, what's the actual volume? I'm not sure what their actual output is in regards to like a percentage of the entire output. But um, yeah, just ballpark it. It'll be better than that commodities nickel mess that I just talked about. <laughs> it's going to be fun to edit. Uh, yeah, oil is down 4%, but uh, just uh, it's, it's come down from the peaks, um, but it's still. People are still expecting it to be higher. Yeah. Let's see. Who is the the guy? Uh, Manish Raj, the chief financial officer of Valandera Energy Partners. Uh, so the week's volatility dances around the confusion on what to make of the Russian oil exports. All eyes are on the export volumes for April and May bookings, which has so far yielded few buyers. But unless Russia can find a way to skirt around the sanctions, oil prices are poised to test new highs, he said. So the, there, I think part of what was bringing oil back down was that uh, there, there's talks between Moscow and Kiev. Kiev. But they have kind of stalled since signs of optimism earlier this week that basically dropped us down from a 14-year high that uh, their oil was trading at earlier uh, or last week. The International Energy Agency had a 10-point emergency plan to deal with uh, rising oil prices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's drive less and work at home. Yeah, work home and drive slower. Yeah. If everybody in the world works, starts working from home and driving slower... Oh, drive slower. Ooh, in fact, uh, they their plan part of it <laughs> includes reducing speed limits on highways by at least six miles per hour. Work from home three days a week. Does that mean everyone should just drive the speed limit then? <laughs> and right, <laughs> and uh, go go car free on Sundays if you live in a city. It's that it's that easy, Kyle. That sounds like an excellent plan. Just everybody, stop doing it. Okay, three million barrels a day of Russia. Uh, that's. That would lower demand by 2.7 million barrels a day within four months, according to the, their plan. But it's still missing 3 million barrels. That's not quite making up 3 million barrels a day of crude oil and oil products from Russia that we're going to start missing uh, here in the beginning of April. Yeah. OP- and from what I understand, OPEC can't make it that up that gap. Can't or won't? Well, it's releasing emergency oil stockpiles, but I guess it's, it yeah, won't. They're not going to ramp up production. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds more likely to me. <laughs> I see, too, that Saudi Arabia was thinking about taking uh, the Chinese currency for their oil. Yes, I don't know what that means macroeconomically, but I don't think it's good. Why? Yeah. The, the talk's been ongoing for six years, but they've accelerated recently because the Saudis have grown increasingly happy with dec- decades-old U.S. security commitments to defend the king. And the because this, I guess the Saudis want our support in the Yemen, the Yemeni civil war. And uh, so part of that is like, fine, we'll look, they already sell a quarter of their oil to China, but they do it in dollars, which is weird to me. Right. Uh, But the, so the fact that the the Saudis are going to be like taking the Chinese currency signals to me the they're going to, they're expecting a greater increase in their relationship with China. Yeah. Because they're they're not just stockpiling everything in U.S. dollars. They're like, well, now we want to have a stockpile of uh, Chinese money as well. Definitely a a sign of growing China. Yeah, that definitely sounds like they're trying to to foster some closer ties. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's got bigger implications than we might realize. Yeah. If only we had an economist on the show that we could ask. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Why do we always get these good stories like this? That would be perfect for talking to a guest that we just had. We just had, right? Eric uh, Mason, if you're listening, give it, give us a call right now. We'll we'll wait live. Yep. Yep. Oh shit! Podcasts don't go out live. Damn it. No. <laughs> I'm gonna be waiting a while. Guess we should move on then. <laughs> you got any other stories? Um. Oh yeah, I had one last story that was talking about how uh, the from from CNBC talking about how the investor behavior in Europe is mirroring the market's worst uh, crises. Crises? Crises. The market's worst crises, new research has shown. Crises, yeah. Mutual funds are seeing a huge outflow and ETFs are seeing an inflow, which tends to be seen as a risk-on hmm. environment. 
Right. Mutual funds have access to money markets and, and other financial products, while ETFs are generally just bundles of stocks. So mm-hmm. by moving money out of bonds and mutual funds and into stocks, it's it's really risky. And and we haven't seen this, or I guess we should say last, when we see this, it tends to be uh, at the beginning of big market crises, like crises, like the 2008 global financial crash. Uh-huh. Everybody's... Too many people are are big uh, happy bulls trying to buy in. I guess that's when was it? Uh, it sounds like uh, we're getting towards peak euphoria. Yeah, is what they're trying to say. But it's kind of like crashes happen from tops, don't they? I mean, I I thought they did. I thought so too. Like it's like if we want to crash, I think we might have to revisit forty eight forty eight hundred uh, on the ES first. I don't know if I was looking at the weekly chart. And we called January 3rd the top. I mean, you could say that we're, we're crashing. If we keep going down, I mean, this week was crazy. You know, we, we had a big, big week, upward week. But Well, th- I mean, this still looks like a controlled descent to me. Like, look at, look at the chart on uh, March when COVID happened. That's, that's what I look at and call it a crash. Right. No, I see what you're saying. Like, this still looks too controlled. Yeah, this is still everyone buying the dip. <laughs> and it works till it doesn't, right? All right, if you exactly. see uh, see 40, 480 on the SPY again, it's time to uh, probably time to start moving some stuff around again. <laughs> yeah, so Europeans selling their safe haven investments, investing in ETFs to get that diversification, to get that portfolio diversification. Less diversified, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got to have those ETFs. You got to have those stocks. Screw the safe haven shit. Yeah, fuck that. You only live once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. This is uh, this is getting tough. <laughs> well, yeah. Longtime listeners know when it's time to move on. There's only one place I like to move on to, and that's talking about the wonderful Sue Pullen. Oh God, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talking. Yeah. <laughs> You don't like that? That you don't like that segue? No. <laughs> Dan, get off a of Sue. <laughs> Filthy binded bastard. Uh, two bulls in a china shop is mostly proudly brought to you by Sue Pullen, a fairway independent mortgage <laughs> and equal housing lender. Sue Pullen is a certified mortgage advisor, focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She's got over 20 years experience helping thousands of homeowners, whether it's purchase, refinance, or even the wonderful reverse mortgage. Sue will help. She's licensed in 27 states. And so reach out and see what she can do for you. Best way to reach her, just give her a call 520-977-7904. Or you can send her an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number 2289. Sue Pullen has an MLS number 206048. That email again is spullen at fairwaymc.com. That phone number, 520-977-7904. Two Bulls in a China Shop is also proudly, all proud, <laughs> to be affiliated with the uh, Trade Pro Academy. <laughs> Trade Pro Academy is the educational platform that offers institutional trader development programs to new and experienced independent traders, which means that you too can learn to trade like the big institutions. Uh, they've got a great staff of highly knowledgeable and successful traders, and there's no better place that we've found to learn everything you need to know to be a successful trader. Find them online at tradeproacademy.com or just use our affiliate link in the episode description. It's a great way to support the show and improve on your own knowledge and skills. Mm-hmm. And we still, as far as I know, have that discount code in our Discord. Sweet. If you sign up for there, you'll have uh, instructions for how to take advantage of a 10% off. The only people that offer that, by the way. George is very stingy when it comes to discounts. Super secret. Yeah, don't don't tell all your friends. You just give the <laughs> don't code tell out. him either. Don't tell George. Okay, yeah, you can tell all your friends. Just don't tell George. <laughs> he doesn't listen, does he? George, if you're listening, <laughs> clap. Probably not the live reads. <laughs> well, and as well, I would like to add the awesome Flary and Leo from Order Flow Labs were kind enough to share their amazing toolkit for trading futures on Sierra charts. Uh, they have some amazing custom studies, structure, execution, buy sell zones, exhaustion, absorption detectors, everybody's favorite reconstructed tape. They got something for everybody. These are their own professional tools that they are constantly adding to, tweaking, testing. Uh, they just offer a ton of support uh, on their Discord. They've got 
It's lots of YouTube videos. They do live calls, interactive stuff together. Uh, if you are trading futures on Sierra charts, you really need to check them out at orderflowlabs.com. Oh, all right. You know, Kyle, that brings us to stocks. Woo! Stock time! Now it's talk about stocks time. Looking for setups and still not advice. Big moves, fresh news, and earnings. All that we're saying is still not advice. Stop Please don't sue us. <laughs> don't sue us. <laughs> All right, Dan, what do you want to start with? I would like to, to have you start. All right. Well, I want to start with AMC. Mm, yes. AMC recently popped back up in the news after they took out a 22% stake in a Nevada gold mine. This one had me scratching my heads. I'm not quite sure why a movie theater company would want to diversify into gold and silver mining. Like, like I really, I, the, the trying to market their popcorn, I thought was a good move. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand this one. That does feel like it's a little bit about a little left field. I mean, maybe that the idea is to get out of the movie chain business altogether. <laughs> <laughs> like, it almost seems to me like this is like, it's almost like hedging your bets. Like, I'm not sure if we can make money just operating movie theaters. So maybe we'll try to move into something else. Yeah. Com- com- commodities are hot right now. <laughs> Yeah, the deal is a head-scratcher given that AMC shares zero synergies with a junior gold miner, but investors are buying into the idea, at least for now. Mm. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, the uh, shares of AMC were up 5%, but the Highcroft Mining, uh, their shares jumped as much as 87%. Whoa. So, that means the deal is already significantly profitable for AMC, assuming the price increases maintained long-term, which we all know the chances of that are less likely. What is the actual stock ticker for that Highcroft? Oh, I'm still on the week. Uh, HYMC. Oh, wow. It is... It's down at 30 cents and it popped all the way up to $2.60. Still trading at a dollar thirty-five right now, but it's also still below the two hundred day EMA. Which this thing kind of fell hard back in uh, October of twenty. Yeah, well, I would like to know why it fell. I think a lot of the miners kind of took a bit of a beating around that time. But I don't know about that much. That seems a bit excessive. From like six to five, six dollars a share down to thirty cents a share. Uh, I mean, it peaked at peaked at sixteen in August of twenty twenty. Yeah, damn. Uh, if you uh, if you throw it on the daily and then a zoom out uh, to back of twenty one as it was still falling, it, like it built up a really nice support at three fifty. Uh, it still hasn't approached that uh, even with this renewed interest, but it's building out another base. It looks like around one thirty. Uh, if it falls below that, then I'd be watching for the downside to continue. If it can hold that up, then we might see it push back up towards that two fifty and maybe even challenge that three fifty resistance. But yeah, definitely a head scratcher for me. I'm not sure I quite understand the the idea there unless it's just to try to eventually exit out of the movie theater business altogether and turn into like a holding company. Right. The AMC conglomerate. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Adam Aaron's a hell of a CEO. He's got a pretty good track record. But if he decides that even he can't save the movie theater industry, I mean, the guy saved the Sixers. (laughs) If this is the way he's planning on saving AMC, that's that's an interesting head scratcher. Well, I mean, is basketball itself dying? I mean, how we watch movies is changing. No, the Sixers were just god awful for decades. Why? That's why I'm saying like it's not apple, it's apples and oranges. Saving the Sixers and no, saving I know, AMC. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just saving the Sixers seemed like a much much harder task, in my opinion. You you think it's a harder thing to do, right? Yeah, they were that bad. Take that, seventy yeah, Sixers yeah. fans <laughs> from the nineties. Oh, it's good to be a fan now, isn't it? Yeah, take that, older <laughs> fans who were rewarded with a winning team for sticking it out the whole time. Ah. I don't know. Wait, I should check their record. I haven't looked at it in a while. They might be bad again. Oh no, they're third in their third in the conference. They're still good. They're still good. Okay. Yeah. Now that I don't do sports betting and I play stocks instead, I I don't know how sports teams are doing. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Weird side note, but I'm gonna say it on air anyway. How fucking strange is it that that boxer Klitschko I used to make bets on is one of the is like the fucking mayor in Ukraine leading troops. What? Were you aware of that? No. Klitschko, the boxer? Yeah. He's a Ukrainian politician now, and he's in the army. He's fucking like a major, and he's leading troops and shit. No shit. 
Yeah. Which one? There's two of them. Well, obviously the brother. (laughs) (laughs) Does that help? All right. Fair enough. All right. Sorry. Weird segue. What other stocks you got? Um, I was, you know, I've been looking at Amazon because of that, uh, reverse split. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also just this week announced the, uh, eight and a half billion dollar acquisition of MGM Metro Goldwyn Mayer, the film production company. So that means Amazon now owns the MGM catalog, like over 4,000 movies, a whole ton of TV shows. Amazon prime should start getting a lot better then, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I I liked Amazon Prime. I think that's my my favorite of the the, the streaming services. Yeah, it's a good one. I yeah. really liked Wheel of Time. Like the other thing too with this, so they're getting more content. And I don't know if you saw, but Netflix has been not only have they just recently raised their prices again, but now they're testing out ways to try to stop people from sharing passwords. Oh yeah, they're going to charge you an extra couple bucks a month. Yeah, like uh, good luck, good luck with that, Netflix. Kind of the whole point of like what happens and then if you go out of town for work right you're gonna have to pay extra to, to log in at your hotel look at my situation i have netflix and three mm-hmm. days out of the week i'm at jen's house and i'm using my netflix yeah. account i don't know mm-hmm. if, how much netflix she watches when i'm not there but i want to be able to use netflix where i am whenever i am any day of the week i want to yeah. be able to go to her house for dinner and watch some netflix and then go home and watch some Netflix as I go to bed and not be like, oh, you got two different people. Like, fuck you. That's me, Netflix. I just, I'm mobile. So Amazon looks like it's improving its uh, its services. Well, Netflix looks like it's taking a step back yep. is the way I read that, right? Right. I will say this. If I got a cut, I, you know, and I, I, I have, I get the Amazon, I get Netflix, and I, I have Disney Plus and Hulu. And if I got to cut something, mm-hmm. Netflix is going to be the one I'm going to cut. I have not cut it uh, just because it's the one that our kids use uh, and they don't live with us anymore. So if, if, if I got to pay extra to allow them to use the service that I don't really use that much, then I'm going to, it's not going to be long for my, my list either. Right. Your kids, I bought you a subscription to a VPN. Have fun. Yeah, that exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Are there any VPN stocks we should be looking at? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that might actually be the play. When I Google VPN stock ticker, it comes up with Global X ETF, Data Center REIT, and Digital Infrastructure ETF. There's a VPN Technologies that's on the CSE. I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> well, I guess VPN is the stock ticker. Right. For, okay. Well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to me. I feel like we are we are seeing... Uh, in, as opposed to like the days of cable when you had a million different networks broadcasting their channels mm-hmm. where you, you get this giant package. We're seeing things kind of like solidify and shift around into basically four or five big ones. And I think it's going to be down to like two or three in, in yeah. the next 10 years. They're basically taking the spot of the cable companies. Like we had a good run. <laughs> Will it be like, you know, two more years when like the better deal is going to be to get cable again? <laughs> I hope so. Because it's kind of, it feels like the trend that we're, we're heading down. Technology is cyclical. <laughs> That's why horses got popular again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you want to wrap up the stock news with the Toyota story that you had? Oh, yes. Toyota has announced it's going to slow down production from April to June to be more, to quote, be more reasonable in line with recent realities. <laughs> what does that mean? The semiconductor shortage means they just can't physically produce cars like they were able to, like they won't. I thought I saw something about some of the big automakers, like actually like producing and shipping cars without chips. That's how bad it's getting. Yeah, that's incredible. We'll just install the chip later. I'm not sure if it means that or if it means like, nah, maybe they got some chips in your cars that you don't really need. Oh, maybe they're getting rid of some redundancies. Oh, wow. Which I'm not sure which is worse. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, Toyota stock ticker? TM. Is it TM? Why does it look like there's hardly any volume on it? No, TM is Toyota Motor Corporation. Maybe because most of the volume's on the Japanese exchange? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, I guess it is TM. Huh. It's kind of surprising. I would have thought uh, that get a lot more trading action than it does. Because if you look at the price, it gaps around all the time. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd want to play this at all. You wouldn't want to play Toyota because of the volume? 
Yeah, I just don't like the look at the way the price gaps around every day. If you look at it on the daily, it looks like a dot chart. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the weekly chart. Looks like a almost looks like a looks like a scatter plot. I don't know. It still follows structure. We had a we had a nice support just hold at one fifty four area coming off of that. Yeah, it hit probably all time highs in January. Mm-hmm. This latest move, though, volume has been dropping. So it was ranging from a hundred dollars a share to $140 a share since 2013. Oh, wow. And it broke out December 2020. After the COVID drop, never made it down to 100 with that big drop. And it's just rallied ever since. And this is the first significant pullback. And it was into support. And I might say on the volume node. It's a big volume node right there One. 54.65. Yeah. I don't like the way it looks like it's topping out right now, though. Oh, the last three days? It's had three different three days where it's been trying to overcome 172. And the last three days, it's also been decreasing in volume. It's flagging. <laughs> I just don't like seeing the, vo- the buy volume dropping off like that. It's weird also for me to see the three ga- green candles in a row, which means it's gapping down overnight. And then going back up and then gapping down overnight. This one looks like it, it gaps a lot, though. Like every day is almost a gap. That's why that's why I'd be hesitant to try to do anything with it. All right. Well, well I would expect the re- resistance to have been at 175, but you're right. It's like ghost resistance. Um, I have two other stocks that I wanted to look at with you. All right. Let's do it. Uh, the first one is Salesforce, which has been one of my favorites for a while. CRM? Yeah, which it looks to me like it just finally broke structure. Like it had been pulling down since basically uh, November. Yeah. When it peaked over $300 a share. And it's just been kind of falling since then. Well, uh, today it broke above one of those prior lower highs at 217. It actually closed at 218.80 today. Volume double what it's uh, had been doing the past, you know, ten days. Big volume spike today. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, I gotta see where I can try to grab hold of it. I like this to to be a reversal moment for this stock, but trying to pick a point to get on board is where it gets tough. Uh, it does have a spot, a thin spot in the uh, volume profile at two twenty two that it's gonna get past next. But I think if it can break up above that two twenty two level. Then we can start seeing it push a lot higher. I got 233 is a target. Real high volume note at 240s. Another shelf at 248. And then I have a pretty strong support around 252, which will be a resistance now. Yeah, this was flagging pretty nice this week. It, yeah, just this last three days has been incredible for it. Yep. 10% move from Wednesday to Friday. That one's going to be on my watch list. Uh, I do still have shares. I did trim some of it at 300. Maybe I might need to pick those shares back up now or wait until it gets over that thin spot on the volume profile between, what did I say, 222 to 225. Yeah, I want to see it bust over 220 and then pull back. Yeah, I'd like to get a, like to get a pullback, obviously. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm liking the way that stock looks. And what was the other one? The other one is Saber, S-A-B-R, which I think we've talked about a few different times. This is the one that it's one of those softwares that uh, like it's like a legacy software that airports are kind of like stuck with. <laughs> they can't they can't take the time to shut down, you know, international travel. <laughs> right long enough in order to upgrade their system. So the company never seems to have really good earnings, but for some reason people still like this stock and uh it looks like it might have finally found a, a bottom around seven uh seven thirties or so. Um the last three days uh three days ago we had a really nice up move. It kind of overtook a ten a level around ten fifty that I had. And now it's flagging on that level, but volume's increasing on this flag. And I like that better than I do like with Toyota, where it looked like the volume was decreasing on that flag. Mm-hmm. So I think if I think if this can break up above that level, um, I think a bigger move back up to 12s and then maybe see if we can break past that $12 uh, spot that it failed at last time. Yeah. But it's, not, it's no longer making lower lows and lower highs. Uh, this is looking a lot more, a lot more bullish to me. It never recovered from the the 2020 COVID drop. No, and I'm not even sure if any airline stocks really have either. I'm looking up United right now. Yeah, it's the same story. So I think that's just the we're seeing the airline industry in that because mm. it's the same like almost every peak would line up if you overlaid these two charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the airline industry as a whole then kind of be bullish on the airlines. 
I'm seeing on United Airlines, I'm seeing the last three days while they're just green, just like Sabre, the volume's decreasing on United. American Airlines is the same thing. It's been ticking up with volume dropping off. All right, so maybe not airlines as a whole. Now, looking at American, it's also still in a bearish too. So I wouldn't, I think, I think Sabre is uh, as far as a, a stock price, looking at the price action, I think that looks definitively more enticing than something like American. Yeah. Or LUV, Southwest Airlines. Yeah, same with the UAL. Yeah, if you look at them, there's, there's, the trends are still down on all these other airlines. Yes, sir. Yes, they are. <laughs> all right. Any other stocks you want to look at? <laughs> no. No, I think it's time to move on to some crypto. <laughs> Ooh. Cryptocurrency. We got any music for that, Kyle? Uh, you do. <gasps> Cryptocurrency. Thank you again, Rayosaurus, for that amazing crypto song. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I love it. Now let's talk about some crypto. Kyle, what's your big story? I have none. Oh. I was just going to ride your momentum. The, the momentum of the one story that I found to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> It looked like a big one. Most of the crypto news is just rehashing the stuff we've already talked about. Like Ukraine gets more crypto donations. Uh, this one, uh, right? Yeah, I know. is actually new. Uh, Elizabeth Warren has released a sanctions bill that uh, critics, I should say, crypto advocates are saying is unconstitutional. Digital Asset Sanctions Compliance Enhancement Act is what it's called. That's a fucking mouthful. (laughs) Right? So they want to try and implement measures to have a greater control over cryptocurrency in light of the fear that Russia could be avoiding sanctions. Right. Uh, And critics are saying the the measures are generally unnecessary and unconstitutional. We talked about that last week, like the chances of them, like sanctioned oligarchs being able to move money around using crypto is, is low, right? I think. Or or the Russian state itself. I can't remember who. (laughs) FBI director, Christopher Ray. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, it looks like the industry experts and other officials have kind of piggybacked on that in this article saying that uh, due to the transparent nature of blockchains and the existence of firms well equipped to trace the criminal actions that the chances of this is uh, pretty low. Yeah, I guess Senator Senator Warren straight up asked uh, the dude from Chain Chainalysis, Joni Levin. Uh, <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah, right. If te- techniques like chain hopping and mixing made it easier to hide transactions and he's just like, no. Not on the not on the blockchain. I know a lot of people like Elizabeth Warren, but every time she talks about anything finance related, crypto or or stock, it seems like she has no fucking idea what she's talking about. I think that's true of every politician I've heard talk about crypto, and most of them with finance. Well, that is true. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just uh, she seems to make her uh, seems to make her. She seems to be out there more often in this these types of stories than anyone else. It's her favorite fight to fight, right? That's her bread and butter yeah. to her constituents. Which and and right now it makes sense that somebody like her would be pushing something like this because as we talked about last week, you know, people are scared. You know, they don't under, nobody yeah. understands crypto, right? So automatically there's going to be a level mm-hmm. of of fear and distrust because you don't understand it. And we want mm-hmm. we 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 want to do these sanctions. We we want to hurt Russia for for the invasion. Well, look what crypto's doing. Like so, they're going to be calling and writing. And it's, I think it's really easy to see where she's coming from on this. Like, I, I don't think she understands crypto, or especially not like the Chainalysis guy does. I just don't like the, I don't like using fear as a reason to pass your regulations. <laughs> Are you criticizing the American <laughs> system? Because I'm pretty sure it's all fear-based these days. That's why I live in my house and don't go outside. <laughs> 
I just stare at my stock charts. There you go. So what's in the actual act? Uh, well, that's a good question. So the article on uh, that I that was reading said there were a few main points that would, it would require the, the president to identify foreign people or firms that are facilitating sanctions, evasion, and, and sanctioning them themselves. Okay. It would be giving the Treasury the power to block U.S. base actors from interacting with addresses that are known to be or could reasonably be known to be in Russia. So this would be the blanket hmm. Russia ban. Uh, it would require uh, taxpayers to report any transactions greater than $10,000. And it would require the Treasury to produce a report on foreign firms that are high risk for facilitating sanctions evasion. Interesting that it's not just only sanctions but it looks like this is uh oh giving the i'm just wondering why that's like focused on russia like wouldn't you want to give the treasury power to block u.s based actors from interacting with any addresses that are known to be or associated with people that are sanctioned like why just russia yeah good question because because it was written by an intern in the middle of the night after a cranky text <laughs> All right the the thing that made me confused was there was a part of the article yeah. so so i was like okay what about that is unconstitutional? It says the, the article continues uh, talking about anyone in the in the the bill, anyone who involved in a, any communication protocol, decentralized finance technology, smart contract, or other software, including open source c computer code, would be branded a digital currency transaction facilitator. But it doesn't go on to tell us mm. what that means in the bill. Right? What does it mean to be branded a digital currency transaction facilitator? I would assume that that would mean that they would fall under the category of having to be subject to, you know, that's the foreign firms. I'm not sure what that would mean. I guess you have to read the whole fucking bill. Yeah. We have any crypto experts coming up. Anthony likes crypto. Maybe he'll know. Hey, maybe he'll know. Yeah, right. It just, I, I feel like it'd be weird if you were like on your weekend, somebody gave, sent, sent you a piece of code and you were like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think I would do it like this for this open source project you're on. And then they're like, oh, they use that in a crypto coin. So you are now a digital currency transaction facilitator. What? Let's <laughs> <laughs> make it some open source code, bro. I would assume it means that the bill applies to you then. But yeah. I'd have to read it. Um, it doesn't look like much is going to come out of this though. I don't think anybody i mean uh, let's say it's co-sponsored by like tammy duckworth debbie staben now rafael warnock chris van holland tina smith catherine cortez catherine cortez masto and bob menendez but um i don't think it has much more support beyond that beyond the democrats yeah even among democrats i don't think it has too much more support i don't i can't imagine this is going to go anywhere this sounds like uh just getting publicity for saying you're doing something you know what i mean right Mission accomplished. Here we are talking about it. Good job, Elizabeth. Great job. Yeah, I tried. I tried. Tried to do what she said. Nobody wanted to do it. Right? Stop fucking calling me about it now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's all I had to say about that. All right. Well, then. Draw with the bugger. I think we both, both got shot there just now. I think so. <laughs> All right, Dan, you want to go first or should I go first since you've been talking? Doesn't matter to me, man. I'll go first. My good this week, I think, is cutting some cutting losers when I lost faith in my thesis. I uh, cut my BBBY chairs. I tried to cut some of the other ones I had that I no longer believed uh, the direction I was predicting was going to happen. Something that I've been not so good at recently. Uh, I did hang on to my Capital One puts. Um, I did put in a sell order to try to get rid of some of them, but it did not go through. But looking at Capital One, I'd still not entirely convinced that I'm wrong yet. So I figure maybe I'll give it another week. But as far as like BBBY, I felt like I cut, cut bait on that really at the right time. Probably could have not added, but you know, can't be perfect. <laughs> what was your, uh, what was your good? Probably the, the AMC calls I bought on Monday. I like that trade. I like that a lot. Uh, I could have even held them. I could have even held them longer. You could have held them to expiration almost. Yeah. Monday, it just opened up and it was like under 13 and starting to move back up. And it was first day of daylight savings time. And I was, a, I was driving home late, right? Uh, in the morning, like mm -hmm. expecting the market to open at 730 when it's going to open at 630 a.m. So I found myself like pulling over into like a Walgreens parking lot 
and on my phone being like, <laughs> okay, I can't do the spy, but what is happening right now? That what, 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 what is, what, what am I seeing? And I saw that AMC setup and I immediately thought how many other retail investors are on one side of the country and they're not ready for that early opening. We, I, we've classically seen big Monday openings. You know, you've heard me talk about that at AMC here in the China shop many times. Mm-hmm. Mondays are, are the AMC when the money starts moving in. So after that drop, I, I bought a few calls and yeah, it's just four green candles after that. Like I could, could, could like you said, I could have held them. They were, uh, they were 14 and a half dollar calls. What I liked about it was it was a weekly expiration, but you put a time limit on it for yourself to get rid of it. And I think you had, yeah. What was it Wednesday? I think was the day you decided yep. like, okay, by Wednesday, I have to make a decision on this. These are going to be gone by Wednesday. And I like that. That way. Yeah. Yeah. That way you didn't let the, uh, the data burn take you out of, of something that was profitable. Oh yeah. I, I, and I moved out of them on uh Tuesday. I got, I bought them for 60 and I, mm-hmm. Oh, it's Tuesday. Yeah. I sold, uh, I sold at 75 and 80. So I mean, 20% of one and 30 for 30% on the other. Another thing with AMC that I didn't think about, but probably should have is that, uh, is people start getting their tax returns back. Oh yeah. You know, AMC is cheap again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What was your bad? Uh, you know, the, the, the usual, the, the typical, uh, uh, <laughs> just keep fighting myself on, like, I want to be trading and I want to be in a trade. I, I, I'm, I'm still fighting that, that beast. Yeah. You found any way to, to keep it in check? I think so. I think so. It, you know, I'm limited by three day trades, right? Yeah. With my account. So that right there greatly limits my options trading. But on, on top of that, so I can't enter a trade if I can't get in a setup where I won't be stopped out today, right? I can enter swing trades mm-hmm. like the BMY. I followed, uh, followed your lead on the BMY because yeah. I really like the setup. Like I'm able to make trades like that as long as it's within my risk management parameters, you know, I'm not risking more than 3% on any one trade. So it's really by, by using risk management is, is, and ends up Mm -hmm. being like, what's keeping me like, I have to find the setup and then I have to be able to also on top of like, I like where the stock chart is. I have to be able to like, well, is there an option strike and price that I could actually afford with my, and within my risk management parameters that I, that is worth it. That's not like a Delta of 0.001. Right. Uh, that has open interest right like by not being able to find that and even then like today i i uh maybe maybe this was actually my good even though it would have been profitable i stopped myself from making a trade on abbv uh abvi the pharmaceuticals company Mm -hmm. it's hitting all-time highs and i could have bought uh 175 dollar calls that closed at 159.20 today uh, that expire in April, I'd have a good month. Uh, they would have already been profitable, but I stopped right. myself because if it had gone the other way and gone back down, I would have, I would have been stopped out and I mm-hmm. couldn't take the, the, the day trade hit. I like it. What was your bad? Uh, stop management. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, trying to do more of the day trading myself, trying to get better at that. And I've been trying to utilize like futures charts because I've been doing less of the, the futures trading myself and letting the bot do it. Mm-hmm. I still have the charts up, so I've been trying to utilize the, what I've learned in the futures to try to do better trading the SPY. And I had a SPY trade loaded up. I was in it. It started to move my way, but then I moved my stops to break even too quickly. Ended up getting taken out before it, it, it really actually started to move. If I would have you know, just held off and waited for it to start moving a little bit better, then I could have actually you know, made some decent money on that trade. It's nice to have a bad that didn't cost me any money, but right. uh, that's something that I've been working on is trying to get better at managing my stops. And I did a much better job of that today with AMD. I went long at AMD and then was used my trailing stops to manage a runner really, not, really well. And then I thought I did it fairly well the day before. So I'm not sure why there was a difference between Thursday versus Wednesday and Friday, but uh, something something I'm still working on. It's still hard when you see profit to uh, you'd start to panic and you don't want to lose any of that profit, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how to explain it. Uh, when I figure it out, I'll let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have an, uh, do you have an ugly? No, I don't, I don't think anything was particularly ugly. I mean... Uh, me too, actually. This might be a first. 
I guess I guess the ugly was when I did let myself uh, uh, buy a bad trade. I bought a uh, uh, Tuesday feeling good, mm-hmm. closing that AMC trade. I bought a, a, a Virgin Galactic put, just one, and uh, yeah, because I couldn't use a day trade, I had to keep holding it. See, this is how I learned. This is why I revist, re- oh. <laughs> resisted today, is I learned the lesson with Virgin Galactic. Yeah, uh, so I had to hold it overnight, and I bought it at like a dollar twelve. And, uh, my risk management is, you know, I don't want to lose more than $30 in any one trade. And I ended up selling those for 71. So I ended up losing almost 40 and that was outside of risk management. So that was like a big, that was big ugly for mm-hmm. me because I made a trade that was not within risk management parameters. And I, and I forced myself into it by buying that when I wasn't able to get out of it that day. So, you know, if I see a good setup in that last hour, I'm more likely to, <laughs> to make the trade. Yeah, I like I like picking up swings at the end of the day anyway because that that's when the options pricing is kind of stabilized. Like if you're trying to grab them in the morning, like there's just too much volatility in the pricing itself. No spreads are wider. You wait till the end of the day; things seem to settle out a lot better. All right, well, time to pick some stocks, make a bet. Bet picking time. what do you got kyle i think yeah i lost the most at night yeah uh, yes, I think I was. Uh, I'm going to go with Saber. I think I'm going to go long Saber. Okay. That's A-B-R. Is this the last uh, Is this the last week? No, we got one more week. So I guess I should probably have some stop losses then. Yeah, I guess. I guess stop losses would be a thing, I right? I mean, let's say $9. I'll put my stop at 9 Seems safe mm-hmm. enough. I want to take profit at 12 Well, I guess that would make it my pick, right? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with uh, CNC, Centene Corporation. CNC. They're a managed healthcare company. Do health services. Ah, look at that. Hitting all-time highs. Medical industries, for some reason, has been doing really well lately. So, yeah, they broke into all-time highs. Probably because the lockdowns in China. Right? I guess. I don't know. They broke into highs Wednesday, mm-hmm. followed up with a great Thursday, had a pullback to the previous high on Friday that got rejected, even though it's a red candle, the pull, the, the tail dips into that other high. So that's a solid rejection on that. 11, 11, this uh, setup here for this bet pick. I'm going to put the stop at 85. It seems like a solid area. And I am going to put the take profit. Oh, I don't know. A hundred dollars? No, no take profit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just got to go. Right. It's just going to rip and rip and rip and rip. Swing for the fences. Yeah, stop at 85, take profit, half at 100. Half at 100. That's good. I like the halves. Keep a little taste just in case. All right. Ready for a random? Yes. We have a New York Stock Exchange Consumer Durables. Uh, MUSA, Murphy USA Inc. That is a big green candle on Friday. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, it a was. Big volume. No, S- double the volume. People are buying up dips on this. Yeah, specialty stores. They're a retail store. I don't know. They've got the uh, lower lows, and uh, I don't know. You still, still draw a downward trend line on those green candles. Yeah. It's a falling wedge. It's kind of. Uh, that's a tough one. I don't like the volume on Friday, though. Oh, the volume on Friday? At least for us. <laughs> Check out the volume on March 7th. Yeah, big red cell volume. That, big cell volume that dropped it down. Was that earnings? They just have their earnings? No, the earnings aren't going to be in May. That was a big doji with the other red day. All the volume came in at the end of the day. Why? I don't know. Oh, wow. Look at that. Huh. That's interesting. The last, last 15, 30, 30 minutes. All right. Well, this should be a fun one. <sighs> if any luck, it'll be trading at 150 tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Very likely. Very likely. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. We yeah, love you guys no, so much. Good. Everybody. 
it's just so amazing. We'll we'll be back at you next week with another exciting interview and the oh dreary, dreadful, deadly, disastrous results of this bet. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Happy trades. Bye. Bye. Come on, Kyle. Tap that bye up. Bye. He's <laughs> not excited. We're ending. <laughs> Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.